SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. Okay, step back. Well, we're talking off the air, which is probably what you expect when I speak to people who are going to do media training. So the first lesson they'll tell you is like, when the red light goes on, stop talking. So Malcolm, maybe a red card for you there. We've got three guests. We're talking about media training. And my name is Ashraf Garanda. This is the media show. We do this every Sunday morning. Uh, we will give you updates on the cricket, of course. I know many people are very interested, including me, on what happens uh, between South Africa and India. But we're going to start with yeah, media training. And, and think about this one. What, you know, you're listening to me talking right now. Now, whatever it is you do, if I put it to you that media training is important to you, maybe your first reaction is, come on, don't be ridiculous. Well, I'm suggesting it is important, no matter what it is that you do in your life. And the question is, why? We'll talk about the why. Then we'll talk about aspects of media training, what's important. And I think this is interesting, and you can SMS me right away, in fact. If you look at business people and politicians, people in the public eye, whoever comes to mind from uh, the politicians we saw the whole of last week to, to other business people as well, to actors, actresses, uh, sportsmen, with the cricket is playing right now, you know, who, in your opinion, comes across really well in the media? Who comes across best? So, so give me names specifically. You can tweet me at Ashraf Garda. You can SMS me to 34701. And if you're going to call in short, sharp calls, please, 0891 Right, so with me is Janine Lazarus, the founder of Janine Lazarus Media. Janine, good chatting to you once again. Hi. Hi, Ashraf. Good, and Paula Frey with me as well, uh, who's a media trainer, obviously, uh, but the MD of Frey Intermedia. Good, uh, good chatting to you as well, uh, Paula. Hi. Good morning, Ashley. And Malcolm Russell is uh, is with us. He's the head of the Broadcast Development Group. Malcolm, good chatting to you. Hi. And lovely to see you. Good. And, and I need to say this. My very first, so here's an endorsement. My very first lesson in media training came from a man called Malcolm Russell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you want to know more, read the book when it finally comes Should out. Of what what yeah. did I learn? <laughs> Malcolm, therefore, let me start with you. So, mm. so media training. I'm suggesting it's important to, to everybody. I, what is, is, is that true or is that being ridiculous? No, not at all. It's not. It's how you present yourself. And it's about who are you in the mind of other people, which in other words is, is a brand. Are you a brand? Are you a figurehead? Are you representing yourself in the way that you would like to be represented? Or are you perhaps, because you're not skilled in these techniques, putting across the wrong impression to people? Because in radio and television particularly, and this is where I have huge regard for people like Janine and Paula, they work also in in press, mm -hmm. which immediately says they've got to get all of that information across just in written word, never mind the rest. We, we have another few advantages like tonality, body language, and all the rest of it, which help us. But how is that message getting across? Is it is it you in the real sense of the word? Is it a conversation, which is what modern media really is all about it's a conversation it's a two-way trade here i'm yapping my head off mm -hmm. i should be using my mouth in the same ration as the number of <laughs> years i've got two years one mouth so i'll shut up okay there you janine your thoughts I agree entirely with Malcolm. I'm not quite sure, though, Ashraf, that everybody needs media training. I think mm. the people who are in the in the media spotlight need media training. But I, I'm at one with Malcolm in terms of authenticity, because very often when I when I do training with government or with parastatals or, or corporate clients, lots of people say you need to train me to be like Barack Obama, mm, mm, or you need mm. to train me to talk like X, Y, and Z. And I say, well, I can't. Your authenticity, your individuality resonates a lot with your audience. So you need to be who you are. So my job as a media trainer is to work on their strengths and to kind of try and smooth out their challenges. And, and why do you think not everybody needs it? Because I don't think everybody has is in the public. I don't think everybody, every time... You know, Joe Bloggs opens up his mouth in the street. He's not going to have a camera. That is, that's uh, that's facing. But the key is, Joe Blogg may not plan to be in the in in the media, and then suddenly it happens. I'm just thinking about what happened here to Rudaput High, something like that in Davidsonville, in this whole row about black teachers and colored teachers, and then suddenly points. people being interviewed for the very very first time. And I thought the CPF guy uh, from from Rudaput of Davidsonville was like very convincing in terms of giving his story across. You know, your thoughts on that, Paula? I think the idea of media literacy for everyone is quite an important one to understand how the media works, but also to understand how communication works. And I'd like to take kind of media training slightly further and say what everyone needs, and certainly if you're a business person or if you're a politician or you're anyone who has a public profile, is the ability to communicate effectively with your audiences. Uh -huh. And so often when we talk about media training, I think we think about how we present ourselves physically, the way we use words, the way we look, etc. But I think what it actually does is it teaches you about being able to communicate effectively with people. 
mm. and who your audience is and how your audience relates to you. And we live in an information era, so I think more than and ever, um, the ability to communicate with people is a business and, quite frankly, a political imperative. Okay, so that, that means, to get this right, even if you were never interviewed in the media or on the media's platforms, uh, just, just you know, you coming to, to have a business meeting with someone in an office next door, yeah, in effect is a form of media training because there's a communication taking place. Absolutely. And if you look at ordinary people having conversations on social media, for example, sometimes you want to reach out to them and say, look, every single tweet is building your brand. Every single update on Facebook is building your brand. Some future employer is going to look at this and say, do I want this person working for me? And that, quite frankly, is the ability to communicate with the public. You know, so I think it's becoming more and more important. And that's essentially that when we're in school, for example, young people need to be able to learn about communicating with an audience. So communicating is not necessarily actually talking a lot. As, which is the obvious thing. Ah, oh, but this person can talk. Exactly. He or she can communicate. It's not the case. And I often find that articulate people are the most difficult to media train mm. because they want, they don't think about <laughs> who they're talking to. Yeah. They think about what they can say. And then they're very comfortable saying so. Exactly. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Ma- Malcolm, let's go back then to, well, I'll take calls if, if you have a strong opinion on this one. 0891104207. And I think, to be honest with you, sometimes we have a chat about the best type of callers. I can tell you now, often, and, and that's an interesting one, often when we have just callers calling in an opinion, it's how they, how they present their case, which suggests that effectively they still also, you as a caller, needs to communicate on the media platform effectively for others, not me, others, to actually be convinced by what you want to say. And obviously, if you're going to call in, that's exactly what you're trying to do anyway, isn't it? Now, Malcolm, so so the need then for, for, for media training, because you mentioned, you know, brand. Yeah, I, I talk about... What Janine said, that, you know, not everybody has a brand, right? Yeah. It, it, 284 for six, by the way, just in okay, case you want to know. Yes, I, I absolutely... That's a form of communication, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> okay, uh, I've got a grass half of mind. What is the need for, for communication training, I think, is really the bottom line, irrespective of what medium you're using. For me, it's an imperative, first of all, in business, in life. And one of the key things that we discovered at a very early age is that people are not taught what to do when a communication goes wrong, how to handle it, how to correct it, how to put it right. And as a consequence, marriages fall apart, relationships collapse, businesses simply can't get off the ground. Uh, one of the the only motif we have in our company, which says that not every great communicator is a leader, but without exception, every great leader is a great communicator. Think of them. You don't have to like who those people were. You can count Adi Amin and Adolf Hitler mm, amongst mm, that mm, lot, absolutely. but they were still nonetheless hugely powerful. Absolutely. I always felt Eugene Tablanche, for example, yes, public speaker, absolutely superb. But then, Ashraf, yeah. I think I think that I think. It's important for me, in my mind's eye, to clarify the media training versus the communications mm, training. Mm. Okay, do, I, do that. You know, yeah. I don't think I think media training is is something that uh, 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 you know somebody who is interfacing with the media, who 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 catapults into the public spotlight, really needs and really ne- needs it badly. I think what Paula and and Malcolm are talking about here is strategic communications, is the ability to be able to stand up and communicate. And often I say to my delegates when I train them. Um, I'm selling myself short because I'm calling myself a media trainer, but I'm really not. What I'm doing is I'm teaching you or trying to coach you how to communicate clear messaging. Mm. Okay, so, so you're saying those that are in the media or likely to be in the media, they absolutely have to be trained. There's no question. Those that are not likely to, and, and that could be the vast majority of people listening. They need to learn country, how to talk. They need to learn how to communicate effectively. Are, are they doing so anyway, Paula, generally? Just, I'm going to kind of give a warning here because what we found is some very successful businesses that we've worked with, although they have a media policy that only one person communicates mm. with the media, we've actually done media training from the CEO right down to the call center staff. Because the reality is, what is media these days, right? You do something wrong, you end up on Hello Peter. Mm. It's a form, actually, of, of interacting with media, even if you don't realize it. And so, in, increasingly, Janine is absolutely right, that there's strategic communication and then there's media training that deals specifically with interacting with various media platforms. But I'm finding that the two are blurring, that you have to 
actually understand that every time you communicate, there's a potential that you actually communicate with some form of media, right. whether it's a blogger, whether it's a mainstream newspaper, whether it's a community newspaper. And so I think that we need to be aware that the media is much bigger than simply the legacy media we're so used to. Mm. Which means that if, if, effectively if you ignore it, as many people I think do, they do so at their peril. Because again, you could just write a letter in, in your school newspaper and you're actually pronouncing something in the media. Absolutely. And it was you know, what Russell was saying early on. People don't understand what to do when things go wrong. And I think that's very often when we end up in the media. We end up in the media when there's a crisis. And then we're looking for media training or for strategic communication um, advice. But in fact, we should be aware of the fact that every time we communicate with our schools, with our school governing boards, with our churches, with, with basically every time a message goes out to the public, there is a potential for it to go to much bigger audience than you're intended. I, I would think, in fact, if you are highly successful or something goes wrong so if something goes right or something goes wrong you are very likely to be interviewed I think I think be ready for that yeah. I think Ashraf Paula makes just a, a fabulous point about um, centralized communication and I want to look at the at the at the at the opposite of that a lot of organizations that I train I'm, t I'm talking about the big parastatals for argument's sake have what they like to see as a, a centralized communication structure so the onus of the responsibility of communication rests on one particular spokesperson mm -hmm. That one particular spokesperson cannot be there 24-7. It's humanly impossible. He also, he or she cannot know everything there is to know about the media or everything there is to know about that particular organization. That's why as an ex-journalist and as a current media trainer, I'm in favor of decentralized communication where, yes, there might be a communication hierarchy. But in, in my opinion, I think everybody in various business divisions, various heads of department need to be media trained because they carry the capital. They understand the technicalities and the complexities. So, so you're looking at a team, division. let's take 10, 10 people basically. Well, even more. more you know, even more. I mean, there might, be, there might be a particular chain of command, but I think it's important that everybody understands how important it is to communicate their message and to get it across right. Absolutely. Just Peter Wiley in a second. Uh, update on the cricket score, Malcolm Russell? Uh, it's <laughs> Oh, 297 for six. Yeah. Well, there you are. The cricket commentator, Malcolm Russell, rather late start in life, but you never know what happens. Here's a good example of that. Anyway, we're talking about the media uh, and, and media training specifically. Why? Well, I think, in fact, that you do need media training no matter who you are. And if that's the case, and you can give me calls in terms of who comes across well, I have a few people saying definitely Musi Maimani. But what about, okay, so that's your opinion. Uh, what, what, about, what about Julius Malema? Then let's look at... President Zuma, but these are not people, I'm not talking about giving speeches, I'm talking about being interviewed. Let, let's just maybe stay with that for the moment. People being interviewed in the media, how do you, who do you think comes across really, really well? So I've got three guests, Malcolm Russell uh, is the head of broadcast uh, of the Broadcast Development Group. We also have Paula Frey, who's uh, the MD of Frey Intermedia, which is a media training organization, and Janine Lazarus is the head of Janine Lazarus Media. Uh, Peter Wiley, good chatting to you, hi. Ashraf, um, Ashraf, I just want to mention to you and your guests that uh, the Toastmaster organization does basically what you're talking about. And I joined Toastmasters because during the apartheid time, I stood up at Settlers Monument and asked a question to uh, Brigadier Mayring. And he put a question back to me and I was not able to answer him. And I thought, well, man, I can do better than that because Toastmasters teaches you so many things and I'm sure your guests know all about it and I'm sure you know about it mm -hmm. but they basically teach you to think on your feet and to to, to lose your fear because some people fear, fear public speaking more than death. Okay. That was said at, at, at the first meeting we went to. Alright, good. Uh, th thanks for that call. But you see, is, is public speaking or, or sitting as opposed to standing on your feet when you're doing a media interview, is, is that the same thing? I, I'm just, uh, I'll pick out some other comments as well. Now, Malcolm, let, let's then talk about, about that in terms of so, so just for the argument for now, we, we're really talking about people being interviewed so we don't get all mixed up here, right? As opposed to giving speeches. What are the do's and don'ts? I have to start from a different place and say that I'm, I'm in a bad space to answer that question mm. because remember, I train people on how to conduct these interviews and I train them on how to conduct what might be called assertive okay. or hostile You do lots of work for Supersport, I understand, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and with other very big media houses. So it's a bit of a tricky one. I, I'm lighting fires on one side and helping putting them out on the other. It's mm. a bit mischievous, isn't it? So it's a nice <laughs> way to have fun. But what are the do's and don'ts? The first big don't for me is don't go into a media interview in the belief that you're there to answer questions. 
if you don't take your own agenda into the interview, you're going to fail. You're become, becoming a victim of the interviewer. So really have a purpose when you go into an interview. Don't make it a blank sheet. But effectively what you're doing is you're getting 99% prepared. So you have to think on your feet. And Toastmasters is brilliant at helping you think on your feet. But for only 1% of the time, the rest of the time, there needs to be a plan of what it is you want to communicate. Okay. Janine? Absolutely. Uh, again, at one with uh, at one with our very experienced radio broadcast. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, first of all, understand who it is that you're talking to. It's never one size fits all. So don't go in there with this blanket approach that uh, you know everybody is the same. That's one. Two, have three key messages. More than that, people are drowning in information overload. Society's instant coffee. News is twenty four seven. So three key messages. Try and thread those three key messages into the fabric of your presentation of your interview like a red thread. Last golden guideline is keep it short and simple. If you can say less, say less rather than saying more. That's not being abrupt. That's not being terse. That's not being monosyllabic. It's just getting across your message. If you're facing the media, the media are interrogators. If they feel you haven't asked or answered rather a question in full, mm. they'll ask you another question. That's mm -hmm. what they do. I, and in, the, in terms of the three key messages, that's not saying I've got three things to say thank you very much. What I'm saying, I'm talking to you now, mm -hmm. we could be speaking for five minutes or, or, or 30 minutes. You're talking about a theme as opposed to Absolutely. just the three answers. Absolutely. Right? And why that is so important is if it is a longer interview or a longer presentation, you are, you, it's almost like keying in your coordinates into a street pilot when you're driving your, your car. It's having a clear beginning, a middle and an end, especially when those questions come in from the left field. It takes a really experienced interviewee sitting opposite to journalists to be able mm. to kind of lead the journalists down their own garden path instead of being hooked in and okay. drawn in on so the So here's the one from left field. So, so what's your three key messages for today's interview? Because we know why you're here, but the question is you know why you want to come here and, and what, what did you decide before you got here to say, this is what I'm going to say no matter what? Well, I was going to tell you that I don't think that there's anybody in politics who particularly stands out as, as, a, as a person who's brilliant on messaging. That was my first key message. I was going to tell you that there are two spokespeople who I think are brilliant in terms of dealing with, uh, with, with critical issues and mm. controversial issues. And I was also going to tell you that they, they need to be able to talk that locking down an information blackouts when, when the purple does hit, hit the fan is exactly the wrong thing to do. People need to be informed, even if all you're doing is drip feeding them little bits of information. So those are my three key And now people are saying, I wonder who those people are who come across pretty well. <laughs> Salo, do call back. I'll take your call in just a second. I've lost you for a minute. Uh, 0891-104-207. Uh, Paula, you, I mean, you, you think that's all true, that... That, that many people, when they do get interviewed, they, they're just so happy that they're having an opportunity to present their case. They even spend a few minutes to say, uh, Ashraf, thanks so much for giving me the opportunity on SAFM and hello to all the listeners. And they, they're almost so scripted that they will only, their default is what I ask, they will answer. Whereas it is allowed for them to actually have an agenda. It's, it's okay. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why people come onto radio. Um, and the reason is that they have a message that they want to get across to their target audience. I would say that even before you decide on your three key messages, because very often people are confident that they know their message. And so they don't actually prepare. They don't think of who's interviewing them. They don't think of who the audience is. And they don't think of what messages that audience needs to hear. And so they come here with three messages that might not necessarily be the right message for the audience. So my piece of advice would be whenever you do an interview, it doesn't matter how many times you've done an interview, make sure that you prepare. Prepare, prepare, prepare. But but how, how do you prepare? What what does prepare well, mean? Well, I mean, I, I am a rig... I, does, does prepare I would, mean, let, let me put it this way, does prepare mean, as I ask you a question, you say, okay, let me take out my notes and you'll read your five-line answer. Is that yeah, preparation? Absolutely. Because I see that all the time, by the way. So, for example, yesterday I was actually doing media training mm. and at the end of it so having done media training the whole day you'd think that I'd be absolutely confident coming to the studio this morning mm. and doing an interview but at the end of the day I sat down and I said okay who's Ashraf's audience what are they going to want Quite to know right. what value can I bring to this interview because I also have an agenda I have an agenda that wants to say I am a media trainer you know I'm a media trainer who knows what she's doing that's that's my agenda for being here so the question is what do your read your listeners need and that's 
my preparation to begin to think about it. One of the questions you asked on, on Twitter yesterday that people responded to really quickly was which politician do you think does the best interviews? Mm, mm, mm. And a lot of people came up with Julius Malema and um, Minister Malula. Mm, mm. So I went to go and make sure that I had seen recent interviews of them in order to be able to comment on that. So that's what I mean by preparation. Having a very un clear understanding of who you're going to be speaking to and what they need to know and whether you're ready to answer those questions. The worst thing that can happen is that you come here with five questions that are prepared mm. and Ashraf asks me something completely unrelated. Mm. So even though I thought about what questions you might want to ask me, I've also about thought about questions that I might not answer. So, so, so what happens then? Because obviously we talk within the theme, I'm certainly not going to ask you to comment on whether South Africa can beat India because that's unrelated, but I may well say, okay, what, what, what happens when, when a player gets off the pitch in a, in a losing game and how they respond and you didn't ordinarily think about that. Is, is that, I mean, would you come back on the air and say, but that's not fair, we never, we never discussed that or or is it the job of the interviewee within that broad scope to say I have an answer I will try as, as I can to give a very solid answer to that I, I don't think that you should answer if you don't know what you're talking about I think you should be honest and you should say actually cricket is not my area of expertise but what I can I tell you so I would bridge to what I do know and what I do know is that generally sports people do build a brand that um, if you look at some of the people we still remember long after their sporting careers they've been really good communicators so I would be able to say that if the losing team came off the wrong thing would be do, to do would be to blame anyone else and certainly at that point would need to be able to recognize their situation and to be able to comment on it in a very neutral way without necessarily apportioning blame to any of his fellow players, etc. Okay, so staying with that, I mean, just, just your comments uh, then, Malcolm, and you can... I, I would ask you about the politicians because we've just touched on it mm. now. You know, so in terms of interviews, would you agree Julius Malema comes across well? I think he comes across does. very well. The question is why? Uh, and no, no, what the is question is why, why do you think he does come across well? Why does he come across well? Well, first of all, you get the whole Julius Malema. You get whichever one he wants to be at that moment in time for that specific audience. So he's, he's a... It's, He's a role player. He's he's pitching himself to pitch towards an audience, and he's identified who that audience is, and then he mirrors them. In, in some instances, he blows them off completely. But the fact is that you get a human being. You don't get something that you went back to a little bit earlier, a spokesperson yeah. who is there is a spokesperson. Now, I can eat a spokesperson like a mealy, mm. but I can't attack a human being. I can't. So he is a human guy. I don't agree with him necessarily, but I've got to listen to him because he's compelling. So this is the whole point, I think. To answer a question you asked a little moment ago, and I, I was so intrigued to hear Paula's answer as well, and I agree, is that sometimes you need to scope the question differently. If you were to say to me, how is uh, Dale Stane, who's on the screen at the moment and taking his cap after 50 overs have been bowled? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> three, 307 <laughs> is, is that score, okay? Just so yeah. yeah. Okay. How, how would you how would you ask a question? Is he bowling well today? Now, am I an expert in bowling? No, I'm not. Am I an expert, perhaps, in positioning and branding? Well, he's going to probably put that in his book, Ashraf. When he writes a book, one of these days, he's going to remember this innings. Now, what? What have I done? I've just hijacked the interview in real yeah, terms. Yeah, I've scoped yeah. it differently, but I've answered the question in an acceptable way. It's that ability to be, to, to be developed that I think is an important part of every good communicator's uh, toolbox, if you want okay. to call it. Goodness, time so much against us. We're talking too much cricket here. Uh, let, let's then talk about... Uh, so, okay, Julius Malema, let's just stay with, with, with him. You actually said, Janine, that uh, you're not particularly convinced uh, that, that any of the politicians really come across well. well I mean, why, why so? Let's give me the example. No, well, Julius, I mean, Julius Malema may be an exception to the rule, and I'm going to be quite grudging about that. Julius Malema is a brand. Every time he opens his mouth, it's, it's, a, it's a Jonas dream. It's a soundbite. Soundbite a minute. You know that if uh, Julius Malema, he's either going to be uh, insulting somebody or say or shooting from the hip. And because he talks to the point, it's sharp, efficient messaging. Think of Julius Malema before he decided to change his mind. He said, we will kill for Zuma. Mm. I've got that mm. clip and I use mm. it in media training. And now have a look at, you know, the, the, the completely different side. So the point is he, talk, he talks sharp, he talks to the point, he's efficient. My one problem with a lot of spokespeople or people in politics is that they indulge in what I call verbiage. So by the time they finish talking, you have gone completely to sleep because they have wrapped their verbiage around their necks and they have really said nothing, nothing much. He's short, he's efficient, he's to the point. Just back to Paula's point about, about those questions from the left field. 
I think if you're a spokesperson or if you're dealing with the media, you need to you need to have gone back to the drawing board and done your homework. You might be talking about a particular division or a particular area of expertise, but you need to have a, an umbrella overview of what's going on in that organisation, so that while you not be while you may not be able to speak to the specifics, you still know what the key messages are. Um, so I think I think I think information is is power. But for me. For me, people who are straight shooters, who say what they, mm. what they mean and mean what they say, is a lot better than somebody who indulges in, uh, in a whole lot of verbiage. But, but, the, really key, the, but the key is mean what they say, isn't it? You mm. see, someone can, can speak. Some people are very comfortable just chatting. Um, and that allows them to be very interesting. But sometimes, for example, in my thoughts, for Kilian Baluda, I, I just think sometimes he just absolutely talks. He's usually entertaining. I find that he lacks authenticity, in my opinion, never mind being the Minister of Sport. I mean, do you, you find the same thing? That often you get a person who's very entertaining, but but says actually that there's no depth to what the person's saying. It's quite interesting because when people responded to you on Twitter yesterday, one of the things that came out about Julius Manema and in fact the sports minister was that they said what they meant. They were very kind of personal and very authentic. I think that a good message can overcome shortcomings in your presentation skills. So the public protector is very soft-spoken. Yes. But the strength of her message makes her quite a powerful communicator because she knows what she's talking about. And I think a lot of people... Uh, uh, people, people believe her. That that's Absolutely. Key, right? And I think that what you need to do is you need to understand your message. You need to understand what you're trying to get across. And if you've got a voice that is not 100%, or if you've got personal um, and presentation skills that are still lacking, um, if your message is, is authentic, then I think that can overcome some of the shortcomings in presentations. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't work on them. Mm -hmm. I think very often we focus on presentations, what we look like, how we dress, how we, how we present our message, and we don't focus on our message. So, so which one ultimately is more important? Presentation skills in terms of uh, entertainment or soundbite value versus authenticity? I think if your message um, um, is, is, it comes short, um, eventually people will reflect that. In this world where anyone can be a publisher, I think people will judge you finally on your message. The fact is that Julius Malema's I Will Kill for Zuma lives on long after mm. <clears throat> his great interviews. Yeah, good point. Okay, we got about, uh, in fact, someone saying Vuzi Tembakaya is the best uh, media communicator, loud and clear and, and very accurate. Uh, comes from Becky. Thanks for that call, Becky. That's your opinion, of course. Now, whether Vuzi agrees with you, I don't quite know. Uh, we got about two minutes to go, so let's just wrap up then. Maybe Malcolm, to help us with this one, maybe give me three names, whoever they are, right? And, and ideally, well, people should know who they are, but, but clearly not necessarily the Julius Malemas of the world, mm. of, of examples of good and bad communication. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the DA's uh, parliamentary spokesman was, is excellent. He is very good, presents mm. extremely well. I have a great sympathy, though, with people whose home language isn't necessarily the language they're trying to communicate with. So I, I cut slack for them in big chunks because exactly what Paula says, I'm looking for the content rather than the delivery. And that's an important element. But think how much better the delivery becomes if you have a, a, a Trevor Manuel presenting the budget speech. Mm, mm, it was an absolutely gripping occasion. I wouldn't miss it for the world. He knew how to work an audience. He knew how to pre perform well and present well. And as a consequence, he was terribly engaging. Look at the two most recent leaders of the country has had, and I'm talking before Zuba, mm. Mandela and Thabo Mbeki. Now ask yourself which of those two was a real communicator and why. Mm. There are real reasons for that. And I'm not going to go into them now because we don't have time. But we developed those those reasons on our on our website, among other places. So bdg.coza if you want to go there. And, and that's another thing. When you're an interviewee and you have a chance to plug your company, <laughs> for goodness sake, do it. Don't ask me permission. As Malcolm has just done. I mean, that's a good lesson, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> the broadcast development group, otherwise known as BDG. Um, but I'm not punching it there. We, we don't work for a great deal in the business of media training anymore simply because we are working so hard with the media as such and I'm delighted to say they're becoming very professional. Okay, good. That. Janine Lesbridge, just your final thoughts? Okay, authenticity uh, tying in with what Paula says uh, you know, uh, while message is very important I think people people forget what you've said long after they still remember how you've said it so I think that that's really important I think you need to and I'm not talking about Hollywood. I'm not talking about putting on your glad drags. I'm talking about communicating with confidence. You know, I've, I've heard so many people say that it's, it's, it's acting as if, and I think that's what it is. It's a short time to get your message across. You can always pull up and be sick later. But while you're there, you know, deliver. <laughs> good, good point, right, uh, Paula? 
And I would just say that, you know, you have to remember that the media is simply a channel to your target audience. And if you don't know who you're trying to talk to, it doesn't matter which media you speak to. Yeah. And I think for me, just, just two things to leave people with. One, one is the point where Musi Maimani spoke about the president being broken. I'll talk about that when we talk brand win and brand fail later on, but just, just how significant in terms of the point he brought across. Then when Julius Malema, well, in fact, when an apology came through to Julius Malema for being called uh, a, a cockroach, when he then apologized to Helen Ziller, the most interesting one that he said, is not that he said he's sorry, he says, it's something like I was, I was too young at that time, I didn't quite understand it. So, so he's able to play himself down to, to, allow for the mistakes he's made in the past. That is a human touch that uh, we may think it's a bit of a joke, but many people certainly buy into that. Thanks for your time, all three of you. Uh, and in fact, if you take the time to bother to tweet your websites, then I will certainly retweet that for you on your behalf, right? Uh, Malcolm Russell from... Uh, Broadcast Development Group, that's BDG, Paula Frey uh, from Paula from Frey Intermedia, and Janine Lazarus from uh, Janine Lazarus Media Consultancy. Appreciate your time, all three Thank of you. you it's been quite fascinating. We'll probably pick up another aspect of that maybe sometime in the future. And updates on the cricket, we'll give it to you later on. Uh, the question you need to know now is South Africa needs something. Media at SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. Okay, step up. Well, we're talking off the air, which is probably what you expect when I speak to people who are going to do media training. So the first lesson they'll tell you is like, when the red light goes on, stop talking. So Malcolm, maybe a red card for you there. Yeah. We've got three guests. We're talking about media training. And my name is Ashraf Garanda. This is the media show. We do this every Sunday morning. Uh, we will give you updates on the cricket, of course. I know many people are very interested, including me, on what happens uh, between South Africa and India. But we're going to start with yeah, media training. And, and think about this one. What, you know, you're listening to me talking right now. Now, whatever it is you do, if I put it to you that media training is important to you, maybe your first reaction is, come on, don't be ridiculous. Well, I'm suggesting it is important, no matter what it is that you do in your life. And the question is, why? We'll talk about the why. Then we'll talk about aspects of media training, what's important. And I think this is interesting, and you can SMS me right away, in fact. Uh, if you look at business people and politicians, people in the public eye, whoever comes to mind from uh, the politicians we saw the whole of last week to, to other business people as well, to actors, actresses, uh, sportsmen, where the cricket is playing right now, you know, who, in your opinion, comes across really well in the media? Who comes across best? So, so give me names specifically. You can tweet me at Ashraf Garda. You can SMS me to 34701. And if you're going to call in short, sharp calls, please, 0891104207. Right, so with me is Janine Lazarus, the founder of Janine Lazarus Media. Janine, good chatting to you once again. Hi. Hi, Ashraf. Good, and Paula Frey with me as well, uh, who's a media trainer, obviously. Uh, but the MD of Frey Intermedia, good, uh, good chatting to you as well, uh, Paula. Hi. Good morning, Ashley. And Malcolm Russell is uh, is with us. He's the head of the Broadcast Development Group. Malcolm, good chatting to you. Hi. And lovely to see you. Good. And, and I need to say this, my very first, so here's an endorsement, my very first lesson in media training came from a man called Malcolm Russell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you want to know more, read the book when it finally comes Should out. Of what what yeah. did I learn? <laughs> Malcolm, therefore, let me start with you. So, mm. so media training. I'm suggesting it's important to, to everybody. I, what is, is, is that true? Is that being ridiculous? No, not at all. It's not. It's how you present yourself. And it's about who are you in the mind of other people, which in other words is, is a brand. Are you a brand? Are you a figurehead? Are you representing yourself in the way that you would like to be represented? Or are you perhaps, because you're not skilled in these techniques, putting across the wrong impression to people? Because in radio and television particularly, and this is where I have huge regard for people like Janine and Paula, they work also in in press, mm -hmm. which immediately says they've got to get all of that information across just in written word, never mind the rest. We, we have another few advantages like tonality, body language, and all the rest of it, which help us. But how is that message getting across? Is it is it you, in the real sense of the word? Is it a conversation, which is what modern media really is all about. It's a conversation. It's a two-way trade. Here I'm yapping my head off. Mm -hmm. I should be using my mouth in the same ration as the number <laughs> of years I've got. Two years, one mouth, so I'll shut up. Okay, there you go. Janine, your thoughts? I agree entirely with Malcolm. I'm not quite sure, though, Ashraf, that everybody needs media training. I think mm. people who are in the in the media spotlight need media training. But I, I'm at one with Malcolm in terms of authenticity because very often when I, when I do training with government or with parastatals or, or corporate clients, lots of people say, you need to train me to be like Barack Obama mm, mm, or you need mm. to train me to talk like X, Y, and Z. And I say, well, I can't. 
your authenticity, your individuality resonates a lot with your audience. So you need to be who you are. So my job as a media trainer is to work on their strengths and to kind of try and smooth out their challenges. And, and why do you think not everybody needs it? Because I don't think everybody has is in the public. I don't think everybody, every time... You know, Joe Bloggs opens up his mouth in the street. He's not going to have a camera. That is, that's uh, that's facing. But the key is, Joe Blogg may not plan to be in the in in the media, and then suddenly it happens. I'm just thinking about what happened here to Rudaport High, something like that in Davidsonville, in this whole row about black teachers and colour teachers, and suddenly people being interviewed for the very very first time. And I thought the CPF guy uh, from from Rudaport or Davidsonville was like very convincing in terms of giving his story across. You know, your thoughts on that, Paula? I think the idea of media literacy for everyone is quite an important one to understand how the media works, but also to understand how communication works. And I'd like to take kind of media training slightly further and say what everyone needs. And certainly if you're a business person or if you're a politician or you're anyone who has a public profile, is the ability to communicate effectively with your audiences. Uh -huh. And so often when we talk about media training, I think we think about how we present ourselves physically, the way we use words, the way we look, etc. But I think what it actually does is it teaches you about being able to communicate effectively with people mm. and who your audience is and how your audience relates to you. And we live in an information era, so I think more than and ever, um, the ability to communicate with people is a business and quite frankly a political imperative. Okay, so that, that means to get this right, even if you were never interviewed in the media or on the media's uh, platforms, uh, just, just you know, you coming to, to have a business meeting with someone in an office next door, yeah, in effect is a form of media training because there's a communication taking Absolutely. place. Absolutely. And if you look at ordinary people having conversations on social media for example sometimes you want to reach out to them and say look every single tweet is building your brand every single update on Facebook is building your brand some future employer is going to look at this and say do I want this person working for me and that quite frankly is the ability to communicate with the public you know so I think it's becoming more and more important and that's essentially that when we're in school for example young people need to be able to learn about communicating with an audience so Communicating is not necessarily actually talking a lot, as, which is the obvious thing. Oh, but this person can talk. Exactly. He or she can communicate. It's not the case. And I often find that articulate people are the most difficult to media train mm -hmm. because they, want, they don't think about <laughs> who they're talking to. Yeah. They, they talk. think about what they can say. And then they're very comfortable saying so. Exactly. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Malcolm, let's go back then to, well, I'll take calls if, if you have a strong opinion on this one, 089 104 207. And I think, to be honest with you, sometimes we have a chat about the best type of callers. I can tell you now, often, and, and that's an interesting one, often when we have just callers calling in an opinion, it's how they, how they present their case, which suggests that effectively they still also, you as a caller, needs to communicate on the media platform effectively for others, not me, others, to actually be convinced by what you want to say. Obviously, if you're going to call in, that's exactly what you're trying to do anyway, isn't it? But Malcolm, so so the need then for, for, for media training, because you mentioned, you know, brand. Yeah, I, I talk about... What Janine said, that, you know, not everybody has a brand, right? Yeah. It, it, 284 for six, by the way, just in okay, case you want to know. Yes, I, I absolutely... That's a form of communication, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've got a grass half a mind. What is the need for, for communication training, I think, is really the bottom line, irrespective of what medium you're using. For me, it's an imperative, first of all, in business, in life. And one of the key things that we discovered at a very early age is that people are not taught what to do when a communication goes wrong, how to handle it, how to correct it, how to put it right. And as a consequence, marriages fall apart, relationships collapse, businesses simply can't get off the ground. Uh, one of the, the only motif we have in our company, which says that not every great communicator is a leader, but without exception, every great leader is a great communicator. Think of them. You don't have to like who those people were. You can count Adi Amin and Adolf Hitler mm, amongst mm, that mm, lot, absolutely. but they were still nonetheless hugely powerful. Absolutely. I always felt Eugene Tablanche, for example, yes, public speaker, absolutely superb. But then, Ashraf, yeah. I think, I think that, that I think it's important for me, in my mind's eye, to clarify the media training versus the communications mm, training. Mm. Okay, do, I, do that. You know, yeah. I don't think I think media training is is something that uh, 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 you know somebody who is interfacing with the media, who 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 catapults into the public spotlight, really needs and really ne needs it badly. I think what Paula and and Malcolm are talking about here is strategic communications, is the ability to be able to stand up and communicate. And often I say to my delegates when I train them, um, I'm selling myself short. 
short because I'm calling myself a media trainer, but I'm really not. What I'm doing is I'm teaching you or trying to coach you how to communicate clear messaging. Mm. Okay, so, so you're saying those that are in the media or likely to be in the media, they absolutely have to be trained. There's no question. Those that are not likely to, and, and that could be the vast majority of people listening. They need to learn country, how to talk. They need to learn how to communicate effectively. Are, are they doing so anyway, Paula, generally? Just, I'm going to kind of give a warning here because what we found is some very successful businesses that we've worked with, although they have a media policy that only one person communicates mm. with the media, we've actually done media training from the CEO right down to the call center staff. Because the reality is, what is media these days, right? You do something wrong, you end up on Hello Peter. Mm. It's a form, actually, of, of interacting with media, even if you don't realize it. And so, in, increasingly, Janine is absolutely right, that there's strategic communication and then there's media training that deals specifically with interacting with various media platforms. But I'm finding that the two are blurring, that you have to actually understand that every time you communicate, there's a potential that you actually communicate with some form of media, right. whether it's a blogger, whether it's a mainstream newspaper, whether it's a community newspaper. And so I think that we need to be aware that the media is much bigger than simply the legacy media we're so used to. Mm. Which means that if, if, effectively if you ignore it, as many people I think do, they do so at their peril. Because again, you could just write a letter in, in your school newspaper and you're actually pronouncing something in the media. Absolutely. And it was you know, what Russell was saying early on. People don't understand what to do when things go wrong. And I think that's very often when we end up in the media. We end up in the media when there's a crisis. And then we're looking for media training or for strategic communication um, advice. But in fact, we should be aware of the fact that every time we communicate with our schools, with our school governing boards, with our churches, with, with basically every time a message goes out to the public, there is a potential for it to go to much bigger audience than you're into. I, I, I would think, in fact, if you are highly successful or something goes wrong so if something goes right or something goes wrong you are very likely to be interviewed I think I think we're ready for that yeah. I think Ashraf Paula makes just a, a fabulous point about um, centralized communication and I want to look at the at the at the at the opposite of that a lot of organizations that I train I'm, t I'm talking about the big parastatals for argument's sake have what they like to see as a, a centralized communication structure so the onus of the responsibility of communication rests on one particular spokesperson mm -hmm. That one particular spokesperson cannot be there 24-7. It's humanly impossible. He also, he or she cannot know everything there is to know about the media or everything there is to know about that particular organization. That's why as an ex-journalist and as a current media trainer, I'm in favor of decentralized communication where, yes, there might be a communication hierarchy. But in, in my opinion, I think everybody in various business divisions, various heads of department need to be media trained because they carry the capital. They understand the technicalities and the complexities. So, so you're looking at a team, division. let's take 10, 10 people basically. Well, even more. more you know, even more. I mean, there might, be, there might be a particular chain of command, but I think it's important that everybody understands how important it is to communicate their message and to get it across right. Absolutely. Just uh, Peter Wiley in a second. Uh, update on the cricket score, Malcolm Russell. Uh, it's <laughs> Oh, 297 for six. Well, there you are. The cricket commentator, Malcolm Russell, rather late start in life, but you never know what happens. Here's a good example of that. Anyway, we're talking about the media uh, and, and media training specifically. Why? Well, I think, in fact, that you do need media training no matter who you are. And if that's the case, and you can give me calls in terms of who comes across well. I have a few people saying definitely Musi Maimani. But what about, okay, so that's your opinion. Uh, what, what, about, what about Julius Malema? Then let's look at... President Zuma, but these are not people, I'm not talking about giving speeches, I'm talking about being interviewed. Let, let's just maybe stay with that for the moment. People being interviewed in the media, how do you, who do you think comes across really, really well? So I've got three guests, Malcolm Russell uh, is the head of broadcast uh, of the Broadcast Development Group. We also have Paula Frey, who's uh, the MD of Frey Intermedia, which is a media training organization, and Janine Lazarus is the head of Janine Lazarus Media. Uh, Peter Wiley, good chatting to you, hi. Ashraf, um, Ashraf, I just want to mention to you and your guests that uh, the Toastmaster organization does basically what you're talking about. And I joined Toastmasters because during the apartheid time, I stood up at Settlers Monument and asked a question to uh, Brigadier Mayring. And he put a question back to me and I was not able to answer him. And I thought, well, man, I can do better than that because Toastmasters teaches you so many things and I'm sure your guests know all about it and I'm sure you know about it mm -hmm. but they basically teach you to think on your feet and to to, to lose your fear because some people fear, fear public speaking 
more than death. Okay. That was said at, at, at the first meeting we went to. All right, good. Uh, th- thanks for that, Corbett. You see, is, is public speaking or, or sitting as opposed to standing on your feet when you're doing a media interview? Is, is that the same thing? I, I'm just, uh, I'll pick out some other comments as well. Now, Malcolm, let, let's then talk about, about that in terms of, so, so just for the argument for now, we, we're really talking about people being interviewed so we don't get all mixed up here, right, as opposed to giving speeches. What are the do's and don'ts? I have to start from a different place and say that I'm, I'm in a bad space to answer that question because mm. remember, I train people on how to conduct these interviews and I train them on how to conduct what might be called assertive okay. or hostile. You do lots of work for Supersport, I understand. <laughs> right? yeah. okay. uh, and with other very big media houses. So it's a bit of a tricky one. I, I'm lighting fires on one side and helping putting them out on the other. It's mm. a bit mischievous, isn't it? So it's a nice <laughs> way to have fun. But what are the do's and don'ts? The first big don't for me is don't go into a media interview in the belief that you're there to answer questions. If you don't take your own agenda into the interview, you're going to fail. You're become, becoming a victim of the interviewer. So really have a purpose when you go into an interview. Don't make it a blank sheet, but effectively what you're doing is you're getting 99% prepared. So you have to think on your feet and Toastmasters is brilliant at helping you think on your feet, but for only 1% of the time. The rest of the time there needs to be a plan of what it is you want to communicate. Okay, Jenny? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, at one with uh, at one with our very experienced radio broadcast. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, first of all, understand who it is that you're talking to. It's never one size fits all. So don't go in there with this blanket approach that uh, you know everybody is the same. That's one. Two, have three key messages. More than that, people are drowning in information overload. Society's instant coffee news is 24/7. So three key messages. Try and thread those three key messages into the fabric of your presentation of your interview like a red thread. Last golden guideline is keep it short and simple. If you can say less, say less rather than saying more. That's not being abrupt. That's not being terse. That's not being monosyllabic. It's just getting across your message. If you're facing the media, the media are interrogators. If they feel you haven't asked or answered rather a question in full, mm. they'll ask you another question. That's mm-hmm. what they do. Mm-hmm. And in, the, in terms of the three key messages, that's not saying I've got three things to say thank you very much. What I'm saying, I'm talking to you now. Mm-hmm. We could be speaking for five minutes or, or, or 30 minutes. You're talking about a theme as opposed to Absolute. three answers. Absolutely. Right? And why that is so important is if it is a longer interview or a longer presentation, you are, you, it's almost like keying in your coordinates into a street pilot when you're driving your, your car. It's having a clear beginning, a middle and an end, especially when those questions come in from the left field. It takes a really experienced interviewee sitting opposite to journalists to be able mm. to kind of lead the journalists down their own garden path instead of being hooked in and okay. drawn in on so the So here's the one from left field. So, so what's your three key messages for today's interview? Because we know why you're here, but the question is you know why you want to come here and, and what, what did you decide before you got here to say, this is what I'm going to say no matter what? Well, I was going to tell you that I don't think that there's anybody in politics who particularly stands out as, as, a, as a person who's brilliant on messaging. That was my first key message. I was going to tell you that there are two spokespeople who I think are brilliant in terms of dealing with, uh, with, with critical issues and mm. controversial issues. And I was also going to tell you that they, they need to be able to talk, that locking down an information blackouts when, when the purple does hit, hit the fan is exactly the wrong thing to do. People need to be informed, even if all you're doing is drip feeding them little bits of information. So those are my three key And now messages. people are saying, I wonder who those people are who come across pretty well. <laughs> Salo, do call back. I'll take your call in just a second. I've lost you for a minute. Uh, 089-104-207. Uh, Paula, you, I mean, you, you think that's all true, that... That, that many people, when they do get interviewed, they, they're just so happy that they're having an opportunity to present their case. They even spend a few minutes to say, uh, Ashraf, thanks so much for giving me the opportunity on SAFM and hello to all the listeners. And they, they're almost so scripted that they will only, their default is what I ask, they will answer. Whereas it is allowed for them to actually have an agenda. It, it's okay. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why people come on to radio. Um, and the reason is that they have a message that they want to get across to their target audience. I would say that even before you decide on your three key messages, because very often people are confident that they know their message. And so they don't actually prepare. They don't think of who's interviewing them. They don't think of who the audience is. And they don't think of what messages that audience needs to hear. And so they come here with three messages that might not necessarily be the right message for the audience. So my piece of advice would be 
whenever you do an interview, it doesn't matter how many times you've done an interview, make sure that you prepare. Prepare, prepare, prepare. But but how, how do you prepare? What what does prepare well, mean? Well, I mean, I, I am a rig... I, does, does prepare I was, mean... Let, let me put it this way. Does prepare mean, as I ask you a question, you say, okay, let me take out my notes and you'll read your five-line answer. Is that yeah, preparation? Absolutely. Because I see that all the time, by the way. So, for example, yesterday I was actually doing media training mm. and at the end of it so having done media training the whole day you'd think that I'd be absolutely confident coming to the studio this morning mm. and doing an interview but at the end of the day I sat down and I said okay who's Ashraf's audience what are they going to want Contact. to know what value can I bring to this interview because I also have an agenda I have an agenda that wants to say I am a media trainer you know I'm a media trainer who knows what she's doing that's that's my agenda for being here so the question is what do your read your listeners need and that's my preparation to begin to think about it one of the questions you asked on on twitter yesterday that people responded to really quickly was which politician do you think does the best interviews mm, mm, mm. and a lot of people came up with julius malema and um uh, minister malula mm. Mm, mm. so i went to go and make sure that i had seen recent interviews of them in order to be able to comment on that so that's what i mean by preparation having a very un clear understanding of who you're going to be speaking to and what they need to know and whether you're ready to answer those questions the worst thing that can happen is that you come here with five questions that are prepared mm. and Ashraf asks me something completely unrelated mm. so even though I thought about what questions you might want to ask me I've also about thought about questions that I might not anticipate. So, so, so what happens then because obviously we talk within the theme I'm certainly not going to ask you to comment on whether South Africa can beat India because that's unrelated but I may well say okay what what, what happens when, when a player gets off the pitch in a, in a losing game and how they respond and you didn't ordinarily think about that is, is that I mean would you come back on the air and say but that's not fair we never we never discussed that or or is it the job of the interviewee within that broad scope to say I have an answer I will try as, as I can to give a very solid answer to that I, I don't think that you should answer if you don't know what you're talking about I think you should be honest and you should say actually cricket is not my area of expertise but what I can I tell you so I would bridge to what I do know and what I do know is that generally sports people do build a brand that um, if you look at some of the people we still remember long after their sporting careers they've been really good communicators so I would be able to say that if the losing team came off the wrong thing would be do, to do would be to blame anyone else and certainly at that point would need to be able to recognize the situation and to be able to comment on it in a very neutral way without necessarily apportioning blame to any of his fellow players, etc. Okay, so staying with that, I mean, just, just your comments uh, then, Malcolm, and you can... I, I would ask you about the politicians because we've just touched on it mm. now. You know, so in terms of interviews, would you agree Julius Malema comes across well? I think he comes across does. very well. The question is why? Uh, and no, no, what the is question is why, why do you think he does come across well? Why does he come across well? Well, first of all, you get the whole Julius Malema. You get whichever one he wants to be at that moment in time for that specific audience. So he's, he's a... It's, He's a role player. He's he's pitching himself to pitch towards an audience, and he's identified who that audience is, and then he mirrors them. In, in some instances, he blows them off completely. But the fact is that you get a human being. You don't get something that you went back to a little bit earlier, a spokesperson yeah. who is there is a spokesperson. Now, I can eat a spokesperson like a mealy, mm. but I can't attack a human being. I can't. So he is a human guy. I don't agree with him necessarily, but I've got to listen to him because he's compelling. So this is the whole point, I think. To answer a question you asked a little moment ago, and I, I was so intrigued to hear Paula's answer as well, and I agree, is that sometimes you need to scope the question differently. If you were to say to me, how is uh, Dale Stane, who's on the screen at the moment and taking his cap after 50 overs have been bowled? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> three, 307 <laughs> is, is that score, okay? We just so yeah. yeah. Okay. How, how would you how would you ask a question? Is he bowling well today? Now, am I an expert in bowling? No, I'm not. Am I an expert, perhaps, in positioning and branding? Well, he's going to probably put that in his book, Ashraf. When he writes a book, one of these days, he's going to remember this innings. Now, what? What have I done? I've just hijacked the interview in real yeah, terms. Yeah, I've scoped yeah. it differently, but I've answered the question in an acceptable way. It's that ability to be, to, to be developed that I think is an important part of every good communicator's uh, toolbox, if you want okay. to call it. Goodness, time so much against us. We're talking too much cricket here. Uh, let, let's then talk about... Uh, so, okay, Julius Malema, let's just stay with, with, with him. You actually said, Janine, that uh, uh, you're not particularly convinced uh, that, that 
any of the politicians really come across well? well I mean, why, why so? Let's give, give me the example. No, well, Julius, I mean, Julius Malema may be an exception to the rule, and I'm going to be quite grudging about that. Julius Malema is a brand. Every time he opens his mouth, it's, it's, a, it's a journalist dream. It's a soundbite. Soundbite a minute. You know that if uh, Julius Malema, he's either going to be uh, insulting somebody or say or shooting from the hip. And because he talks to the point, it's sharp, efficient messaging. Think of Julius Malema before he decided to change his mind. He said, we will kill for Zuma. Mm. I've got that mm. clip and I use mm. it in media training. And now have a look at, you know, the, the, the completely different side. <laughs> so the point is he, he talks sharp, he talks to the point, he's efficient. My one problem with a lot of spokespeople or people in politics is that they indulge in what I call verbiage. So by the time they finish talking, you have gone completely to sleep because they have wrapped their verbiage around their necks and they have really said nothing, nothing much. He's short, he's efficient, he's to the point. Just back to Paula's point about, about those questions from the left field. I think if you're a spokesperson or if you're dealing with the media, you need, to, you need to have gone back to the drawing board and done your homework. You might be talking about a particular division or a particular area of expertise, but you need to have a, an umbrella overview of what's going on in that organization so that while, you're not be, while you may not be able to speak to the specifics, you still know what the key messages are. Um, so I think, I think, I think information is, is power, but for me, for me, people who are straight shooters, who say what they, mm. what they mean and mean what they say, is a lot better than somebody who indulges in, uh, in a whole lot of verbiage. But, but, the, really key, but, but the key is mean what they say, isn't it? You mm. see, someone can, can speak. Some people are very comfortable just chatting. Um, and that allows them to be very interesting. But sometimes, for example, in my thoughts, Fikili Mbulula, I, I just think sometimes he just absolutely talks. He's usually entertaining. I find that he lacks authenticity, in my opinion, never mind being the Minister of Sport. I mean, do you, you find the same thing? That often you get a person who's very entertaining, but but says actually that there's no depth to what the person's saying. It's quite interesting because when people responded to you on Twitter yesterday, one of the things that came out about Julius Malema and in fact the sports minister was that they said what they meant. They were very kind of personal and very authentic. I think that a good message can overcome shortcomings in your presentation skills. So the public protector is very soft-spoken. Yes. But the strength of her message makes her quite a powerful communicator because she knows what she's talking about. And I think a lot of people... Uh, uh, people, people believe her. That that's absolutely. Key, right? And I think that what you need to do is you need to understand your message. You need to understand what you're trying to get across. And if you've got a voice that is not 100% or if you've got personal um, presentation skills that are still lacking, um, if your message is, is authentic, then I think that can overcome some of the shortcomings in presentations. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't work on them. Mm -hmm. I think very often we focus on presentations, what we look like, how we dress, how we, how we present our message, and we don't focus on our message. So, so which one ultimately is more important? Presentation skills in terms of uh, entertainment or soundbite value versus authenticity? I think if your message um, um, is, is, it comes short, um, eventually people will reflect that. In this world where anyone can be a publisher, I think people will judge you finally on your message. The fact is that Julius Malema's I Will Kill for Zuma lives on long after mm. <clears throat> his great interviews. Yeah, good point. Okay, we got about, uh, in fact, someone's saying Vuzi Tembakaya is the best uh, media communicator, loud and clear and, and very accurate. Uh, comes from Becky. Thanks for that caller, Becky. That's your opinion, of course. Now, whether Vusi agrees with you, I don't quite know. Uh, we got about two minutes to go, so let's just wrap up then. Maybe Malcolm, to help us with this one, maybe give me three names, whoever they are, right? And, and ideally, well, people should know who they are, but, but clearly not necessarily the Julius Malemas of the world, mm. of examples of good and bad communication. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the DA's uh, parliamentary spokesman was is excellent. He is very good, presents mm. extremely well. I have a great sympathy, though, with people whose home language isn't necessarily the language they're trying to communicate with. So I, I cut slack for them in big chunks because exactly what Paula says, I'm looking for the content rather than the delivery. And that's an important element. But think how much better the delivery becomes if you have a, a, a Trevor Manuel presenting the budget speech. Mm, mm, it was an absolutely gripping occasion. I wouldn't miss it for the world. He knew how to work an audience. He knew how to pre perform well and present well. And as a consequence, he was terribly engaging. Look at the two most recent leaders of the country has had. And I'm talking before Zuba. Mm. Mandela and Thabo Mbeki. 
Now, ask yourself which of those two was a real communicator and why. Mm. There are real reasons for that, and I'm not going to go into them now because we don't have time, but we develop those those reasons on our on our website, among other places, so bdg.coza if you want to go there. And, and that's another thing. When you're an interviewee and you have a chance to plug your company, <laughs> for goodness sake, do it. Don't ask me permission, as Malcolm has just done. I mean, that's a good lesson, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> the, the broadcast development group, otherwise known as BDG. Um, but I'm not punting it there. We, we don't work for a great deal in the business of media training anymore simply because we are working so hard with the media as such and I'm delighted to say they're becoming very professional. Okay, good. Janine, that's just your final thoughts? Okay, authenticity uh, tying in with what Paula says uh, you know, uh, while message is very important I think people people forget what you've said long after they still remember how you've said it so I think that that's really important I think you need to and I'm not talking about Hollywood. I'm not talking about putting on your glad drags. I'm talking about communicating with confidence. You know, I've, I've heard so many people say that it's, it's, it's acting as if, and I think that's what it is. It's a short time to get your message across. You can always pull up and be sick later. But while you're there, you know, deliver. <laughs> good, good point. Right, uh, Paula? And I would just say that, you know, you have to remember that the media is simply a channel to your target audience. And if you don't know who you're trying to talk to, it doesn't matter which media you speak to. Yeah. And I think for me, just, just two things to leave people with. One, one is the point where Musi Maimani spoke about the president being broken. I'll talk about that too when we talk brand win and brand fail later on. But just, just how significant in terms of the point he brought across. Then when Julius Malema, well, in fact, when an apology came through to Julius Malema for being called uh, a, a cockroach, when he then apologized to Helen Ziller, the most interesting one that he said is not that he said he's sorry. He says, it's something like I was, I was too young at that time. I didn't quite understand it. So, so he's able to play himself down to, to, allow for the mistakes he's made in the past. That is a human touch that uh, we may think it's a bit of a joke, but many people certainly buy into that. Thanks for your time, all three of you. Uh, and in fact, if you take the time to bother to tweet your websites, then I will certainly retweet that for you on your behalf, right? Uh, Malcolm Russell from... Uh, Broadcast Development Group, that's BDG, Paula Frey uh, from Paula from Frey Intermedia, and Janine Lazarus from uh, Janine Lazarus Media Consultancy. Appreciate your time, all three Thank of you. you it's been quite fascinating. We'll probably pick up another aspect of that maybe sometime in the future.